In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Evans. Seventy-two degrees right now here on Columbus Road. They say it's going to climb up fifteen more, up to eighty-seven later. No real mention of any precipitation, almost for an entire week. But you know how weather is; that can change. Certainly got some yesterday, though, didn't we? And we needed it. Good morning, folks. Welcome, Party Line, on a, uh, let's see, Thursday edition, right? I think that's correct. And it's uh, Thursday, July 7th. Um, let's see here. Today is National... Hand Roll Day. Need my Scott in here. Hand Roll. I assume this is a food, but I've just not heard it referred to as, as that. And there's only one other thing to mention today. Actually, that's not right. This is July 6th, so yesterday was National Hand Roll Day. And it was also National Fried Chicken Day. I printed off the wrong report. So, um, July 7th, I don't have in front of me. Anyway, you're still puzzled about the the expression hand roll. Let's see, on this day in history, and this time I do have the right date, July 7th. In the year 1520, the Battle of Atumba, 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 something like that, down in Mexico. Hernan Cortez and the Tlaxcalans. Tlaxcalans. Defeat a numerically superior Aztec force. Now, by numerically superior, I suppose it means they have more people than the, um, the group that beat them up. That's my guess. Then we jump ahead 400 years to 1937. Japanese and Chinese troops clash at the Marco Polo Bridge, beginning the Second Sino-Japanese War. Then 
1947, the alleged and disputed Roswell UFO incident. Roswell, New Mexico. Alleged and disputed. Is that really right? I think in my book, there's no question. On this date in 2005, coordinated terrorist bomb blasts strike London's public transportation system that was done during the morning rush hour. And these uh, coordinated bomb blasts killed 52 people and injured over 700. Two thousand five on this date, influenced by Global Live Eight concerts, the G eight leaders G eight leaders, there we go, pledged to double two thousand four levels of aid to Africa. from the U.S., which evidently was $25 million at the time. And what they were saying is um, no, $25 billion. And they doubled it to uh, $50 billion by the year 210. All right, Scott, where are you? I need you, buddy. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Get my papers organized. Some of this will wait and do if he shows up. Um, what about in the news? The United Kingdom's Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. He's been in the, in the news a good bit recently. Well, the rumor is he's reportedly set to resign today after facing pressure from a number of lawmakers and ministers within his own party. Ask, suggesting or asking that he step down. Johnson has faced a string of recent scandals, including having attended government-led social gatherings held during the COVID-19 lockdowns and the promotion of a senior lawmaker despite sexual misconduct allegations. Johnson did survive a no-confidence vote last month. Um, barring him from another vote for a year. However, observers say he faced the possibility of another vote following threats from a group backbench conservatives. A group backbench bench conservatives. I don't know that expression. Regardless, conservatives. 
Oh, here they name them. They say, known as the 1922 Committee, the group is scheduled to hold an election Monday for a new executive before deciding whether to change the rules to bring forward another no-confidence vote. If the rules are changed, at least 15% or 54 Four of the Conservative Party's 359 lawmakers would need to submit a letter of no confidence. Well, I wonder who might take his place. If that all happens. Well, Scott's back, so Scott, I'm sorry to throw you into this, but um, we had gotten through a couple pieces, and some of these we need your help with, of course. Oh, okay. And uh, even, um, oh, poor, um, what's his name? Uh, Art Turf. Oh. He, He went without a sponsor today. But um, I know how hard you have to scrape and dig to get those sponsors, so. Oh, yes. I won't put you on this spot. Extremely scraping. (laughs) Okay, let's do some famous birthdays. (coughs) Excuse me, let me just have a sip of coffee here. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So Camilo or Camilo Golgi Golgi G O L G I. Okay. He was born on this date in 1843. He died in 1926. I don't think I've ever come across this name before. What was Camilo? I think it's Gold G. Okay. The, uh, since we had our internet interruption a little earlier, it's a little bit slow loading as oh. resetting everything. We had the uh, phone line and internet eruption again this morning. I don't know if you knew that or not. Well, yeah. Um, the, um, but it got working just in time for me here. Um, but uh, Spectrum came out and they got things working and it wasn't here, it was actually down uh, up the street a little bit further, closer to a Days Inn and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. So, well, good. Um, but it affected us yesterday too, folks. Yes, it did. And then they got it fixed and as I understand it, they did a temporary fix today. I'm sorry, yesterday. Right. And then they did a permanent fix today. Yes. So it must have required some certain part they didn't have available yesterday. Could be, yes. Let's let's hope it's a permanent fix. <laughs> All right. Camillo Golgi was an Italian biologist and pathologist known for his works on the central nervous system. He studied medicine at the University of Pavia between 1860 and 1868 under the tutelage or tutelage of Cesar Lombroso 
inspired by pathologist uh, pathologist Julio Bezozero. <laughs> There's a mouthful. Bezozero. In fact, I, we're really testing you here. Yeah, that sounds like it could be made into some kind of uh, pudding. Yeah, that or drink or Italian dish or something. He pursued research in the nervous system. You know, it, it, it is kind of interesting. Think of this. Now, 1843 is when he was born. And so let's, let's add 20 years to that. So 1863, maybe he was getting started with his profession. Yes, and, could very well be. And it was, um, you know, stuff that we even have trouble understanding yet today. People have problems with those same things and how they treated them and how it's advanced and how, well, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, modern medicine. Mercy. Yeah, with the not only the natural effects of the central nervous system, how it operates, whether mm -hmm. it's from birth or developed somehow as the age progresses, or possibly an injury of some sort yeah. affecting the nervous system. Okay, let's move on. Otto Frederick Rowetter, Rowetter R-O-H-W-E-D-D-E-R. Excuse me, he was born in 1880 on this date. He died in 1960. He was an American inventor and engineer who created the first automatic bread slicing machine. How about that? Thank you, Mr. Rowetter, <laughs> for slicing bread for us for commercial use. Amazing. It was first used by the Chillicothe Baking Company. Chillicothe. Yeah. How about that? Wouldn't you think it'd be some brand name of bread that we would recognize? But here was something far more local. Uh, it sure sounds like it. Or if it, if that was just the name of it, um, they say his his machine was designed and manufactured in 1928. It was used to slice loaves of fresh bakery bread mm -hmm. at Corn's Bakery in his hometown of Davenport, Iowa. Beginning in the late 19, the year of 1928. Okay, now I'm confused. I think there might be a Chillicothe, Iowa. Let's take a look. Chillicothe just, just for kicks. Baking Company. Yes, let's do that. Not that it's all that important, but uh, I'm curious. You know, um, folks, years ago, We, we owned a radio station in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, Pat and I made the choice to live out in uh, Virginia Beach so we could enjoy the ocean a little bit, too. Um, so we lived three, three houses from the water, and it was beautiful. And we rented a house from a very famous family in Virginia who had had this house for... many decades and the name of the family was Birdsong Birdsong and um, their normal home location was Suffolk 
Virginia. Well, anyway, this family became famous for inventing peanut shelleries, the equipment that would shell peanuts. Now, here's Mr. Rowetter, who became famous for slicing bread automatically. Amazing. How many times have you heard people say, man, this is the best thing since... Sliced bread. Yeah. Chillicothe, Missouri is known as the home of sliced bread. On July 7, 1928, the Chillicothe Baking Company began selling pre-sliced bread at quality grocers in the area, marking the first time sliced bread was available commercially in the world. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, my dad was born in 1904. And you're saying 1928? Correct. Was the first mechanical sliced bread thing? Correct. Huh. Well, okay. Well, I don't know about you. If you know sliced bread, yeah, it's a convenience. But I will still buy a full loaf of baked bread unsliced mm-hmm. because I like to slice my own thickness. Yes, I get it. But, you know, some of those slicers that you can use at the store. Oh, yeah, that's right. Are adjustable. Yeah. You can choose thin slices or thick or whatever. Yeah. I think. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Much Too much about bread here. Um, <laughs> Foodies. Now, the sports guy, Ezard Charles. I think he was a boxer. He was. Good, good uh, recollection. Ezard Mac Charles, known as the Cincinnati Cobra, was an American professional boxer and world heavyweight champion known for his slick defense and precision. He is often considered the greatest light heavyweight boxer of all time. Well, we, we didn't get it. Um, I forgot to tell you, he was born on this date in 1921, and he died in 1975. He was uh, born in Lawrenceville, Georgia, so not sure. I, apparently, he must have relocated to Cincinnati. Um, but I have been in that area and have driven on the Ezard Charles Parkway. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. There is a, a straight uh, stretch of, I don't know whether it's on 275 or 71 or 75, one of those of the state highways there, or maybe it's just a local parkway. It's a, obviously a, a busy freeway area, but it's named the Ezard Charles Parkway. So uh, moving on, Ringo Starr is celebrating his 82nd birthday today. Ringo Starr. Okay. Ring, we know him as the uh, dr- longtime drummer for the Beatles. Indeed. His, his real name is Sir Richard Starkey. I think I had heard that. Better known by his stage name, Ringo Starr. Okay, two famous deaths to mention. Uh, We'll do it in uh, order, I guess. Um, In 1307, the year 1307, on this date, Edward I, King Edward I, died. 
He was born in 1239. The other famous death to mention is Arthur Conan Doyle, D-O-Y-L-E, born in 1859, died in 1930 on this date. Now, Mr. Coyle, what's, what's his name? Arthur Conan Doyle was a British writer and physician. He created the character Sherlock Holmes. In 1887, for A Study in Scarlet, the first of four novels and 56 short stories about Holmes and Dr. Watson, the Sherlock Holmes stories are milestones in the field of crime fiction. Here's a little blurb here. It says, Boris Becker stunned the tennis world on this day by becoming the youngest player to win the Wimbledon. He was 17. However, as as he went on with life, financial ruin lay ahead for him. He was one fantastic tennis player. His Grand Slam singles titles, they include three Wimbledon championships and two Australian Opens. And one U.S. Open. Pretty impressive. We um, we talked about Boris Johnson. Um, this day may tell us a lot about that. We'll see. And once again, if you missed the start of the show, uh, he's the uh, Prime Minister over in the United Kingdom. But... Um, the rumor mill is he's going to resign today. Well, uh, Highland Park, right? There are a lot of Highland Parks around, but the one we're talking about, about is, um, what, in Madison, Wisconsin? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, suburb of Chicago. Okay. Let's see here. So, the suspect charged with carrying out a mass shooting during the 4th of July festivities in that Highland Park, Illinois, you're right, confessed to the attack yesterday. That's according to the officials. The 21-year-old gunman also told police he initially fled in the aftermath to nearby Wisconsin, where he was contemplating a second attack there in Madison before reversing course for unspecified reasons. Monday's shooting left at least seven dead and 46 others injured. Officials recounted at least two police encounters with the attacker in recent years, both of them back in 2019 including one in which more than a dozen knives were confiscated after threats made against family members. Reports suggest that uh, during this particular event, the weapon used was a semi-automatic rifle. It was purchased legally online about two years ago. So out of all of this, the shooter faces seven counts of first-degree murder with more charges expected. 
that's that's the end of that one. Officials in South Africa held a mass funeral yesterday for a number of young residents who were mysteriously found dead in a bar near the city of East London. More than a thousand people mourned the teenagers, 12 girls and 9 boys, aged 13 to 17, who died inside the Enyobini Tavern. This happened nearly two weeks ago. Okay, now this, this is a bar. And... Twelve girls and nine boys died, and they were all in their young teens. Is that... Are the rules different there in East London? Must be if they're young teens and they rent a bar unless they were in there with a guardian or a parent, something like that, maybe a birthday party, but in a bar. Well, let's see here. Maybe the rest of the story will give us a tip. Hundreds of underage students, okay, so they they were underage, were in attendance after a Facebook post promised a party celebrating the end of the mid-year exams. Survivors said they smelled a mysterious gas, something like tear gas or pepper spray. And what followed was a stampede to escape from the two-floor tavern's one door. The cause of the deaths remains unclear. Forensic pathologists have suggested the deaths were likely caused by poisonous gas and not by a stampede. Here we go. President Cyril Ramaphosa. This is in South Africa. Called for the legal drinking age to be raised from 18, so now we know that, to 21, while delivering the eulogy, citing similar tragedies that happened, uh, oh, looks like seven years ago in a city I can't pronounce, and... 22 years ago in Durban. You'd think they could have acted faster. You have trouble sleeping? Me? Yeah. Um, not usually, occasionally. I don't either. Yeah. Where did that come from? Must be a story coming yep, up. Yep, you're correct. <laughs> yeah. This is entitled Up Your Your Sleep Game. <clears throat> what if you could make sleepless nights a thing of the past? We've found a way to experience an average of 19% more time in deep sleep 
and 14% time in REM sleep. REM. I've seen that expression. Rapid eye movement. Okay. With all those extra Zs, you can show up in a much bigger way yourself, your loved ones, and your job. Developed by physicians and neuroscientists, the Apollable wearable has been tested in multiple real-world and clinical studies and is proven to improve quality of sleep and heart rate variability, which is a key biometric of stress resilience. Using soothing touch therapy that works like a gentle bedtime story for your body, this Apollo thing helps you wind down without drugs or side effects. They say it's worn on the wrist or the ankle. The Apollo wearable delivers silent, soothing vibrations that help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and spend more time in deep sleep. And better yet, it's safe to use for you or your children, so you can say goodnight for good to difficult sleepers. Huh. Well, there's always something, isn't there? Seems that way. Yeah. I always try to think of, if, if it happens, try to think of ways to clear my thoughts it's hard. It's easy, yeah, it's much easier said than done. But uh, once in a while, I'll turn on something that is not interesting at all or kind of soothing. You mean like television? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, at some of the channels I turn on <laughs> are those shopping channels because, you know, they speak softly mm. in those and it's not something I'm really interested in. So I'm, go I'm going for the boring factor. Now, for me, now I know it's not that way for those people who love those shows. And, and you know, once in a while there will be something on there, um, you know, some type of equipment or um, electrical equipment, electronic equipment, laptops, computers, stuff like that, that will catch my attention. Otherwise, uh, if I need something to... <laughs> quote unquote bore me back to sleep that's what I do <laughs> folks my California wing of the family arrived last night oh good and um, I uh, they, they got here kind of late and um, stayed over at Jackie's house but I think they're moving in with me today um, and this is a time where you know, a number of family members, some of whom I barely remember knowing, uh, are starting to arrive as next Tuesday we'll have the memorial service for my wife. And, um, you know, this, um, I don't want to be sappy or anything. I'm, Actually, I think I've used that term several times in the last few weeks. Well, that's all right. I mean, you 
but it's it's it's, it's appropriate. It's difficult. Oh yeah, has to be. And um, <clears throat> it'll be nice having all this company to um, to honor her. Okay. Yeah, have, I, I do have, have, them have around a, too. I'm sorry. And to have them around you, of course, too. You know, kind of hang out together. Where's my phone button? Here it is. We have a caller. Good morning. Good morning. And you can start having Paul sort out dresses or something, too. Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, things he wanted to help with. I called today because on my Tuesday, the day after our holiday, I tried to call you and got a strange message I never heard when I called 592-6646. It says, this mailbox is full. I didn't know you could fill that mailbox. And I don't know who emptied it, but I did leave a message for uh, Krista. Yeah. So, well, my guess is she did it. And, um, but I was wondering, I wonder why that happened. Well, because a number of people called it, and it rang so long that it went to leaving, giving you the option to leave a message, but we were unaware of it. I've never seen that option. I mean, I... I'd, well, anyway. If, anyway, that's one thing I wanted to mention. The other thing is, strange things happen when I go past your garage. I hear music playing. Well, can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have cats out there and you want to soothe them to sleep or something? No, it's it's the garden tractor. Oh, it's got a radio on it. No, it likes music. Oh, <laughs> It performs better if it's well uh, rested, isn't it? Yes. Oh. Sure. But it didn't sound like your station. Oh, don't even go there. Of course (laughs) it's my station. It's Power 105, yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Mm -hmm. And it's not at such a low, I mean, not at such a loud level that it would bother anybody. Right, I said, I'm going to go closer. Yep, I hear it coming out of there. Yeah. And I thought, well... I'm glad your uh, lawnmower is happy now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so am I. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, in the garage, folks, I have a uh, nice, simple radio, and um, it's tuned to our FM station all the time and playing. And um, like I said, it's not at such a level that it would bother anybody even if they're working in the garage. It's just very reasonable level. Okay, let's talk about arts, parks, and recreation. For many years, I served on that board. This is um, an entity within the city of Athens. I'm sure many cities have such a thing, but here we call it Arts, Parks, and Recreation Board of, uh, board of uh, Directors, Board of Advisors, whatever it is. And I chaired it for a long time, too. Uh, During our years, and I'm not trying to boast or anything, but we built the community center. And what a place that is, right? Um, We built a lot of ball fields. We built a lot of soccer fields. Um, we We did lots of good things. 
And the pool was already here, but we did do a major upgrade of the pool. All right, so I got an email this morning uh, from the Athens Parks and Rec, um, Arts, Parks, and Recreation Department. And I'm sure a number of you got this. And I'll just read portions of it. It says, we here at the City of Athens Arts, Parks, and Recreation Department hope that you're having a wonderful summer so far. We would like to inform you that there will be some big changes coming in how you register for classes and programs. So they say their department is transitioning to a new software package, which is designed for recreation departments at different cities and the counties and things like that. It's called Civic Rec. That's the name of the software. Now, right now, they've been using, uh, for a couple years or so, another system called ActiveNet. So, they're, they mention this because on Monday, this coming Monday, June 11th, they're going to switch from ActiveNet to CivicRec, this software. So they go on to say, if you ha currently have a profile set up in the old system, you will likely need to create a new profile and log in on the new system. So um, I'm sure their website also covers this in great detail. But um, also, if if you received a copy of this emailed announcement, this will tell you how to do it, okay? And um, if you have any questions, of course, the, the rec department's phone number is 592-3325. Or you can email it. But um, I just thought everybody should know about this. Okay. Well, let's turn our attention to the New York Times and the Morning Report. Their lead article says, the people who claim widespread election fraud have made little effort to put together a logical argument. More than 100 Republican nominees for statewide office or Congress this year have falsely claimed that election fraud helped defeat Donald Trump in 2020. Almost 150 members of Congress, that's more than half of the Republicans serving there, went so far as to vote to overturn the 2020 election result. These claims of election fraud have become the mainstream Republican position. 
in some places, winning a nomination virtually requires making such statements. In other places, the claims appear to carry little political cost, at least in the primaries. And very few elected Republicans have been willing to denounce the falsehoods. Well, given the prominence of the issue, it's jarring to see how little effort proponents have put into making an argument on behalf of their claims. They've offered no good evidence because there isn't any. They have also failed to offer even a logically consistent argument. So consider, if anything, the rare examples of cheating from 2020 tend to involve Trump supporters. Prosecutors charged three registered Republicans, all of whom were living in the Villages, which is a Florida retirement community, with voting more than once in the presidential election. Think of that. One of them has since pleaded guilty. He both voted in Florida and cast an absentee ballot in his former home area of Michigan. Another consideration point. Trump and his allies have never explained how other Republicans could have done so well if fraud was widespread. In the 2020 House elections, Republicans gained 14 seats. In the Senate, Democrats did win a 50-50 split, but the party lost races in Maine, Montana, North Carolina, that it had thought it was going to win. In the 2021 elections, Republicans did well again, winning the governor's race in Virginia. So it's hardly a picture consistent with Democratic election rigging. Another point. During the 2022 primaries, most Republican candidates have accepted the results without claiming fraud. That's been true even of candidates who lost their races. Examples include Representative Madison uh, Cawthorn, that's down in North Carolina, Mo Brooks, a representative in the uh, Senate primary in Alabama, and two Trump-backed candidates down in Georgia. When Trump supporters lose to other Republicans, they generally accept defeat. So they got a section here talking about loyalty, not logic. And they admit that this voter fraud thing is the claims anyway are not going away. If Trump runs again, he will probably allege cheating in any election that he loses. At least some other Republicans now seem likely to do the same, perhaps in response to close or unexpected losses in 2022. But the lack of any substantive 
argument to back up these claims suggests that even some of the people making them may not believe them. The claims have instead become a way for many Republicans to show, show loyalty to their party and to signal that they consider Democrats to be inherently illegitimate holders of power. Well, tough stuff. Um, what else do we have? The war in the Ukraine. About 6 million Ukrainians are displaced within the country and nearly 5 million Others have fled to Europe and other countries. Um, you know, I have been looking around for a small Ukrainian flag. And I, not that small, one, one that I could have just uh, hanging it as a, a yard sign, so to speak. And I'll keep looking. But uh, we've had several students that were Ukrainian live with us over the years. And one who went on is a professor down at University of South Carolina, Olga Strovich. She's, I think, coming back for the uh, funeral. Okay, folks, thank you. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Wendy Gillette in New York. Breaking minutes ago, WNBA star Brittany Griner has pleaded guilty to drug charges in a Russian court. A rally was held for her last night in Arizona. Her wife, Sherelle. Let's make sure this administration knows that they have our support to do whatever is necessary and that we are not going to ever be quiet until she's home safely. Thank you for your love, for your voices, and for your prayers. She could face up to 10 years in prison. Brits are reflecting after Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced he'll step down. I think he's done, he's made a lot of mistakes, but he's done a lot of good things as well. First Western economy to come out of the pandemic. He's delivered Brexit, which will be the long-term benefit of the country. He should have been gone a long time. Overstayed his welcome by a long, long margin. CBS News correspondent Vicki Barker reports from London on the new political landscape. Standing outside number 10 Downing Street with his wife Carrie looking on, Boris Johnson said he tried to persuade his top officials it would be wrong to switch leaders midterm. I regret uh, not to have been successful in those arguments, and of course it's painful.